and welcome back to IoT Innovation. IoT is all-encompassing. M2M is the most mature subset. Today we talk about why there is so little um, discussion about this demarcation. This episode of IoT Innovation is sponsored by Anritsu. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Welcome back to IoT Innovation. Our guest today is James Brem, founder of Brem & Associates, a leading consulting and analyst organization focused on M2M and IoT. So first of all, welcome, James, and thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks Let's for having start. me, Chris. Thank you. Thank you again. So maybe let's start with uh, why M2M has got its own identity in the IoT world and, and what you're seeing in this space as to some of the nuances maybe most people wouldn't really recognize. Sure. So, you know, one of the things that's a differentiator between IoT and machine-to-machine, uh, machine-to-machine machine machine has customers and revenue right now. And IoT is still a lot of a dream, but truly um, M2M is a subsegment of IoT. And if I were to think about it, um, it's like the older brother, right? And it's, and it's, and it's handing off the, the, the torch to, to IoT. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think your observation about revenue is spot on. I mean, we've talked over the last few weeks about how there's so much hype and so much noise. Uh, and frankly, when it comes to devices, so many devices that really are inconsequential uh, long term for people. Yeah. M2M is really much more about substance and value and businesses connecting to each other, which ultimately is about uh, revenue decisions being taken by executives, which hopefully makes it a bit more logical, more than emotional. You know, I, I always say that there's three reasons that companies deploy IoT, to make money, to save money, or for compliance and to stay out of jail. And uh, IoT is really about business transformation and right. making money, where M2M has historically been about saving money uh, and being compliant. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. So, I mean, so so maybe, James, tell, tell us a little bit about the businesses that you're helping and the trends that you're looking at. Because from my perspective, I kind of chuckle at some of the old ground some of these new companies are covering. It feels like it's the 90s again, and all we've done is just update a few PowerPoint slides. Well, you know, some of the companies that we're helping are the old guard. It's, it's the guys that have been in MTEM a long time and are now making their transformation into IoT, moving from cellular and satellite to other connectivity uh, options, being agnostic to how they connect. But also, we're working with the old guard. We're working with healthcare companies that make big, heavy, rugged machines that now want to um, move themselves into a transformed world or a connected world. So, so with those clients, what do you think, what do you see as the biggest hurdle that they are facing versus the real challenge when you actually start helping them and digging into their market or focus? Uh, the biggest challenge uh, is partner selection 
the second largest is business model. Mm -hmm. They all know that they have to do this. They just don't know when. So once they can select the right partners and then also create the right business models, that's when the move happens. So, so do you think that they're starting to get staffed with and, and supported by groups like yours that are helping them think about these problems the right way? Or are we still kind of shooting in the dark a little bit in general with some of these large organizations? Most of the organizations are shooting in the dark. Right. Um, I wish we worked with more companies, but we only work with about 15 companies right now. And if there's a few hundred companies like mine, that's a lot of organizations that are still shooting in the dark. Right. Um, and, you know, the big SIs that have been a trusted advisor for enterprise for years, they're not here yet. And we're waiting for them uh, to come in and show us how to tie business process and that software that they've uh, invested in the back office to the business processes and the new connected devices. So, so building on that a little bit, I mean, what we're seeing is a constantly shifting platform of operating system, architecture, hardware features, and big data. And if you're talking about the large um, system integrators, the large consulting firms, that's a lot of moving parts to try and keep their hands into. Um, how long do you think it's going to take to to do this journey for IoT? And also, another kind of a side question is is Outside this industry, I, I constantly end up talking with friends and family about what I'm in, into and what the work is with IoT. And I really feel like it's not conveyed yet in a consumer a digestible manner. Well, you're absolutely right about that. Consumers don't know what this is. I actually had a congressman in my office a couple of days ago, and he's talking about IoT uh, making uh, I guess the question between Ethernet and Wi-Fi, like a moot point, right? It's bigger than that, but people don't even know what it is. So we have to educate them. But, you know, the, the SIs and the guys that are d doing all the work and the software companies, the big guys, they're not here yet because, as Bill Gates said, we always um, underestimate or overestimate, overestimate the... Uh, length of time it's going to take. So mm -hmm. we want it now and we can see the benefits now. So there's this overhype, but it's going to take a lot longer. Um, the autonomous car, although we had one driving down uh, Las Vegas Boulevard at CES, it's a long ways away because there's hundreds of millions of vehicles that are not autonomous out there, right? So all these things that are connected, it takes a little bit longer or a lot longer, but we have to build these consortiums and ecosystems to make this happen. And that's the biggest challenge right now is ecosystem as opposed to what I'll call POPO or partnership on paper only. Now, right. I apologize to anybody that speaks Spanish because they know what POPO is really just another word for, for crap. But that's what most of these partnerships are. They're partnerships right. on paper only. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's the problem. And I think the reason it's partnership on paper only is because neither partner actually understands what the journey looks like. You got it. 
you know, and we've been talking a little bit over the last few weeks about how, you know, is some of this going to get driven by regulation? Is this going to be driven by big companies with their own agenda or by agnostic agendas? And I think that's, you know, that's the usual, that's why I take, talk about going back to the 90s and updating some slides. This feels like uh, early wireless all over again, except this time around, it's not the domain of only wireless companies or wired companies that actually understand this space. It's basically every company trying to get in the middle of this, which is making it even more convoluted than it, than it uh, ever was before. Yeah, and it's, you said early wireless, how about early PC, right? right. Uh, you know, there are five real PC manufacturers. There are five wireless companies that mattered. Right. Anybody that makes something matters now. So the ecosystem is, is so big. The refrigerator guy, the automobile manuf manufacturer, the, um, the guy that has a vending machine, all those are connected things. Healthcare things, things that we don't think are connected, are connected. Anything that's got uh, a brain in it, a microprocessor in it, should be connected. And it should be uh, streaming data and helping us make actionable decisions. So, so picking up on your comments about healthcare, I mean, one of the areas that we're going to be covering in the next few weeks is, is device security and encryption. Um, I think one aspect that I'm seeing as a, as a long tail here in terms of the awareness of companies and therefore regulators to look at IoT is the fact that all of this uh, non-anonymized data is going to be floating around about us. And at the moment, that I don't feel like there's the right security protocols in place to give everyone adequate protection. Um, what, do you, what do you see as far as developing security attitudes and activities in the industry? I think security is overlooked, but I just think about this. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was driving down I-10, and I saw this big, massive pileup, and it was a semi that was hit, and he was hauling paper records, files, folders everywhere. I looked at him, and it looked like healthcare records, and sure mm -hmm. enough, they were. Now, we had all the security practices in place, but all those folders are everywhere and people's information is floating around in the wide open and I could take it and I could do something with it. Mm -hmm. Well, we're that way now uh, with IOT. And if we put too much of a regulation on it, we're going to stifle innovation, but we mm -hmm. do need to take a look at what are best practices and the best practices today with papered information, not too different. It's just using it electronically, and how do we tie it down? Well, and I think to your point about a uh, you know a, a vehicle accident or a pileup, I mean, there's still accidents that take place even with these security activities yep. in place with the paper version. You know, hackers tracking down our data or logging in and figuring out how to bypass fingerprints on Android right now. I mean, they're just examples of how uh, security gets improved. It gets improved because people have broken it. Yep. And, and and they make people aware the the bad guys break it a la you know the the target situation which caused the us to suddenly get credit cards with the uh, with chips on them after 20 years of talking about it 
um, in the same way that the hackers are uh, advising Samsung that they've got security issues uh, causes them to announce they're doing software upgrades every 30 days now. I mean, it's just the industry drives itself. Yeah. Uh, but I agree. I don't think it's a topic that's getting uh, talked about enough. And again, back to my observation about consumers, I really don't think regular people that are not in our industry, in our space, uh, have the first clue how to make sense of all of this technology noise. You're absolutely right. You know, Congressman Heard that was in my office uh, talking about security, about IoT, and about not stifling innovation. Is it Black Hat next week? He's going to, to Black Hat to talk right. to hackers to, to look at addressing these issues. So I think that Congress will do the right things if they're educated properly. Yeah, so, so that's a good point. For the last uh, few years, I've been part of the Congressional Internet Caucus Advisory Committee, um, which is a group that was set up to try and help um, Congress be educated about some of these topics. Um, I, I think there's room for more of that type of activity so that that our elected officials who probably are not sophisticated on these topics in general uh, have a, a, an agnostic way of getting educated quickly enough so they can vote on the right decisions the right way. Um, I'm not sure what mechanisms could be put in place to help do that, but um, did that come up in your conversation this week? It, it hasn't yet, but we're going to talk more about it. But, you know, one of the things I was thinking about was that a lot of the problems are caused by uh, regulation not taking into account what the healthcare organization does, how they handle things. So I'm working with a billion dollar uh, uh, blood company. They make uh, equipment and refrigerators for blood and right. blood bags. And when I talk to them, they know how things need to happen you know, to secure the information. But I go out to the hospitals and the nurses and the technicians and the doctors are doing something completely different with the blood. Right. Right? The, the way they're handling it. The way they're handling the records. Right. And regulations happening without looking at process. But I think the issue with process is that it's never been looked at end to end because right. these are parts of a journey that were never joined up before. And, you know, because of that, the businesses are moving so fast, it's difficult for them to really step back and look at the whole picture and say, okay, what, where does this, why is this information important? Where does it start? Where does it end? And what is the complete journey? You're right. And back to your comment about system integrators. Uh, I don't think there's enough large organizations getting the right help to look at that whole journey and figure out what the holes are, which is why there's so many uh, hacking and, and uh, security violations that are happening at the moment. So correct. So true. So, so, so coming on from that, talking about intellectual property, I mean, the, um, this is an area that, that we talk about in the U.S. quite a lot regarding uh, protecting innovation, uh, reducing trolls, for example, helping patents be more easily attained and more easy to, to uh, execute and to prosecute. What do you see about this in terms of young companies? Because I guess my, my view as an observation is that IP is very important to big companies, but for young companies, it's usually a choice of pay the bills or, or apply for a patent. 
and and that presents a, a really difficult uh, what I've termed the absorption cycle where innovative companies get bought by big companies get swallowed up because of their know-how and their and their potential IP meanwhile innovation stalls well I agree and then there's one other issue in IOT a lot of the patents that need to happen are process patents right right it's about changing a process streamlining and right now most of the patents are technology patents and we can't do process patents very much right, right? so there's exactly. another problem so so building on the ip comp comment i mean we've been working with some universities over the last few months as far as their tech transfer activity and one of the chasms that we are seeing is that tech transfer usually starts with uh, university research that was either for an external corporate or, or defense industry client that has certain goals in mind and a certain budget. When that technology comes out to the outside and gets commercialized, there's quite often a pretty big gap between what was done in a research setting, if, if you like a prototype setting, and what, what it will take to scale into full production. Um, again, we're seeing this as a, as a pretty big gap in innovation. And although the IoT is starting to use some of this technology, um, we, we're starting to see a lot of this young technology coming out of, of startups and out of universities that's frankly just way too young to commercialize quickly enough for some of these big companies that are driven by a quarter by quarter earnings expectation. So that there's, it's almost like there's a, um, a, a communication gap. You know, I agree with that. And I work out of a tech incubator in San Antonio and mm -hmm. it's funded by the founder and chairman of Rackspace. And we've got, you know, 80, 90 real startups working there. And uh, they're going to open the Open Cloud Academy there. Uh, that's a joint uh, Rackspace UTSA initiative. I think some tech can be really built out of incubators, mm -hmm. right? When you power 80 to 90 small startups that are really smart with universities with large corporations then you get this exponential power to really dream and think big and harness some of the stuff that like you said companies are far too small and i absolutely hate uh some of the things going on with the incubators where they're just teaching these companies to pitch for venture capital as opposed to run a business successfully or to license and patent and innovate. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I've talked to some friends in the corporate venture community that are working on some strategic IP investments. And, and this seems like quite of a positive way of um, protecting some of these early ideas uh, so that later on, four or five years down the road, uh, there are actually issued patents that are worth something as opposed to either uh, poor patents or none at all. And, you know, that seems to be the kind of the long, the long tail of this, of this um, development cycle is that you might, you either end up with incubators helping develop a technical idea that, um, the, the technical founders can do that, but then they are helped more actually with the business side of it 
than they are with actually filling out the goals of the technology in the first place. Because so often you see VCs that come in, first thing they do is replace the technical founders because they don't have the business skills. Yep. Yeah, it's a big challenge. Yeah. So um, one other of the points I wanted to to ask you about is over the last few weeks, we've been talking with some leaders in the smart utility, chipsets and architecture, some application focused companies. But a common theme that we've talked about in IoT has been both regulation that we've discussed, but also the user experience. Um, what, what do you see out there with the clients that you're working with and how aware they are that user experience is such a critical component of this interaction on IoT? Well, all it took was, was Google's acquisition of Nest to understand that UI and the experience is, is key because there's a ton of connected thermostats. Right. There's one Nest. Yes, absolutely. Right. Uh, and they know that they got to interoperate and they know that they got to provide a good UI, but what does that mean? Because it's evolving. Uh, so how they get to that experience is probably through some of the other uh, mobile guys and also the dashboard guys in vehicles that have a good experience today. Mm-hmm. Leverage yeah. what's already been done. Yeah, I think the challenge with a good user experience is the reason you don't notice it is because it is so good. Yeah. And and that's really that's right. subtle. And um, we, we've talked to a team in Boston that, that have been working on user experience for some time. And they say that the, one of the most difficult challenges with their clients is that when they deliver the most value is when the client sees the least of the user experience because it, it already becomes automatic. Yeah. And that's that's kind of a it's almost like a, uh, uh, forgive me, but it's it's the the price of bikinis, right? The less there is, the more it costs. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So so um, maybe maybe James, just to finish up, as we're we're getting tight on time here, um, if there are other aspects of IoT that you're seeing out there as you work with clients that you want to highlight that maybe we've not covered because it's such a broad topic that, that it's, it's almost like you can cover every aspect of every industry and still not do enough. Uh, manufacturing. Mm-hmm. When I say manufacturing, I'm talking about the guys that are actually building this stuff. Apple doesn't build the iPhone, right? Foxconn and Jable and guys like that. Mm-hmm. So when those guys get up to speed, when they embed, uh, connectivity, when they, when they work with uh, entire ecosystems, then we're going to be there. Uh, I think about the processes and the ecosystems that need to be made. Uh, if I'm an appliance manufacturer, I outsource it to somebody like Jable. They build it for me. Mm-hmm. right? I sell it. It gets shipped. It gets delivered. Uh, where does that connectivity get turned on right probably at the the uh point of departure from the store or the retail outlet is probably the right point mm-hmm. right or when it gets connected at the house but then the next piece is when i have problem with it i pick up the phone and call somebody or i go to the website and i, and I ping somebody it's probably not from the 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 appliance company 
It's right. probably a, a contact center. See, and we need to tie all these little pieces together to make this ecosystem whole. That's why we're not looking at two years or three years as a horizon for IoT, but 10 years and 15 years. Because we've got to yeah. bring those guys in as well. I think that's exactly right. I mean, I've been asked for a number of years about the comparisons with with systems like Felica for mobile payments in Japan and how that got adopted so relatively quickly compared to mobile payments in the rest of the world. And and I mean, somewhat sarcastically, I comment that it was, well, it was um, the chairman of the largest bank in Japan playing golf with the largest retailer and, and, the, and the head of Sony. And um, it's probably not far off, whereas right. in in the US, Western Europe, other parts of the world, the, the, the key leaders of those organizations, firstly, they're on wildly different agendas and, and typically they're not three, three or four people, it's, it's dozens of people, all of which who want to own the space. Yeah. So, so with that, James, um, I'd like to wrap it up there and, and I really want to thank you for joining me today um, I'd like to follow up this conversation uh, some more over the next few weeks as we get deeper into some of the M2M aspects of IoT. Absolutely. Uh, so Thank you for having me. Thank you yeah, very much. And thanks for jumping in at short notice. I know this was a quick turn, so we'll, we'll make sure that we give each other more time for the next uh, next discussion. Great. Uh, so I appreciate with that, it. I'd like to thank James Brem of Brem & Associates and uh, close, out, close out there and please let me know if you've got topics or speakers that, that uh, you would like us to cover in future episodes. Thank you very much. IoT Innovation is a production of RCR-TV. To reach Chris Hare or suggest a show topic for IoT Innovation, you can reach Chris at cbh at ntete.com. To find out more about IoT Innovation and all things wireless, visit rcrwireless.com.